Chapter One of Making Fate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Making Fate by Pansy. Chapter One Waiting. Mrs. Edmonds had tried every chair in the room, from the straight backed, uncompromising one nearest to the dining room to the wide-armed sleepy hollow in the alcove but none of them fitted her restless mood twice she had resolutely settled herself on the wide old-fashioned pillowy lounge arranged the pillows at head and back with infinite pains drawn the bright-coloured afghan over her and resolved to rest only to spring up again in five minutes and renew her walk up and down the room broken only by a pause to peer out first at the western and then at the southern window it was a pleasant enough prospect outside the rain had been falling in torrents and the little river which it had made still gurgled down the gutters glistening in the brilliant moonlight the street was quite still during the hours which mrs edmonds had waited there had been the sound of many feet and the sound had been listened to by this woman as though her hope of life depended on her finding the footstep she waited for occasionally there had been one so like what she sought that she held her breath for it to draw near and pass all the while her swift beating heart telling her that if it had been the footstep she would have known it oh as far away as the sound could reach her yet still she waited for each new one in the same breathless hopeful way as the hours waned the passers-by grew less and less frequent until now the most belated traveller seemed to have reached home and she was still waiting she turned from the window once more and the odour of coffee reached her it seemed to be hateful to her she went swiftly and closed the door which led from the dining-room into the little kitchen leaving the tiny coffee-pot to its fate they were pretty rooms sitting and dining room with folding doors between the doors were rolled back out of sight and the portieres so looped as to give a view of the dining table daintily laid for two people who must both have had very refined tastes the napery was fine and fresh the china delicate and the silver sterling the edmonds family had lived nearly always in a larger house than this their table had been drawn out often full length and was wont to be surrounded by merry happy people time and change had left only two and the table had to be closed to its smallest but there seemed no reason why the family heirlooms in silver and china should be laid away so the table was pretty as of old mrs edmonds surveyed its prettiness almost with a groan she had allowed herself to become so nervous over possibilities that all her dainty preparations for a late supper looked like so many mockeries still she went once more and sat down in the sleepy hollow drawing a wrap about her and resolving to be reasonable what could have happened she asked herself for the hundredth time not an accident surely because there were so many of them that we should have heard of it before this time as for their not starting for home to-night that is nonsense don't i know that i would never be left here alone more than that she promised 
her mental argument was interrupted by the sound of footsteps overhead and her thoughts were turned into a new channel mr maxwell was at home then she had not heard a sound from his room before he must have let himself in when she went to the coal closet for that lump of coal it was strange he was up so late or rather so early for the little clock on the dining-room mantel at that moment murmured in soft silvery tones one two they struck terror to the watcher's heart it was actually two o'clock and marjorie for the first time in all her nineteen years was away from her the mother started abruptly and giving herself no more time for thought made her way with all speed up the long flight of stairs and knocked at her lodger's door what if he was a comparative stranger having been settled in her best front room less than a month he was a man and would know what should be done in an emergency and she really could not endure this suspense longer visions of what marjorie might say concerning this appeal to the lodger in her behalf crossed the troubled mother's brain as she sped but she resolutely put them aside and knocked at the closed door it was opened on the instant and mr maxwell fully dressed and looking as though he had not thought of sleep that night stood before her i beg your pardon she said speaking hurriedly but i am so worried about my daughter that i don't know what to do i heard your step just now and determined to come and advise with you the door was opened wider and mr maxwell reached forth and took the little night lamp from a hand which trembled at the same time he motioned toward an easy chair come in mrs edmonds and have a seat while you tell me how i can serve you your daughter is not ill i hope oh no why i don't know what she is i have thought that perhaps she had been taken suddenly ill but there were eight of them they cannot all be ill and surely they would have come for her mother all of which did not enlighten mr maxwell she is not at home then he ventured thus helped mrs edmonds gathered her wits and explained a party of eight including her daughter had started that morning on a nutting expedition at the schuyler farm seven miles out they were to be joined by the young people there and go on to the extreme southern part of the schuyler woods some five or six miles farther the plan had been to return to the schuylers for an early tea after which the guests were to drive home by moonlight but they were to have been at home by ten at the latest indeed marjorie had exclaimed over that hour and said that she must be home by nine and now mrs edmonds finished hurriedly her face paling over the thought it is after two o'clock and i know something has happened to them what can i do mr maxwell essayed to comfort her you have forgotten the storm he said cheerily it doubtless came up just at the time they were to start and it rained very hard you remember moreover the storm lasted a remarkably long time no she had forgotten nothing she knew just when that first flash of lightning came and just how long the rain continued and just how brilliant the moonlight had been since the storm was over ample time for them to have reached home two hours ago even though they had not started until the sky was entirely clear again you forget 
she said pitifully that it will soon be three o'clock in the morning do you know the road to the schuyler farm mr maxwell there is a bridge to cross about five miles out over a very ugly stream of water the embankments there are very high and the sides of the bridge are not protected more than that i think i have heard somebody say that the bridge is unsafe it is possible that they may have driven over the side or the bridge may have fallen and they may all be in peril together he made haste to reassure her oh no indeed he knew the bridge well was over it indeed not twelve hours ago it was perfectly safe and no driver in his senses would be in danger of driving off the embankment had the party not a reliable driver mrs edmonds admitted that mr ralph bramlett was the driver that he drove his father's horses and was perfectly accustomed to them but then they were spirited animals and were doubtless afraid of lightning many horses were and if nothing had happened to them why had they not reached home long ago then mr maxwell had another idea was not the schuyler farm the hospitable mansion where so many young people were entertained he had heard that it was the custom for large parties from town to spend several days there undoubtedly this nutting party detained by the storm had accepted the invitation of the schuylers to spend the night and take an early morning ride it would have been a perfectly reasonable thing to do because they probably feared another storm and besides they would naturally dislike to disturb several families by coming home at a late hour in fact the more he thought about it the more certain he was that there was no occasion for anxiety her daughter was undoubtedly sleeping quietly then mrs edmonds rose up and reached for her lamp and her voice had a dignified tinge i beg your pardon mr maxwell i ought not to have disturbed you of course you cannot be expected to understand i am sure you mean to comfort me but my daughter would not for one moment have consented to spending the night away from home and leaving me in suspense and anxiety concerning her even if she had not promised she would not have done such a thing but her last words to me were that she should be at home before ten i knew the storm must detain them however and rested quietly until near midnight but the sky has been entirely clear since a little before ten there is no conceivable reason except by accident which could have kept my daughter from me but of course you do not understand he intercepted her hand and took charge of the little lamp again let me carry it down for you he said cheerily i still think you have no cause for anxiety the company was too large not to be able to be heard from in some way before this time in case of accident still i really can understand something of a mother's feelings i have a dear mother of my own i'll tell you what we will do mrs edmonds if you will lie down and rest i'll mount my horse and take a trip toward the schuyler farm and learn the facts i was making ready for a very early start in another direction and selim will be saddled and bridled waiting for me but i can easily make the trip later or wait until another day for that matter up to that moment mrs edmonds had not shed a tear but at the sound of the sympathetic voice planning a scheme that would at least relieve her of this terrible suspense she lost for the moment her carefully trained self-control 
and broke into a fit of weeping mr maxwell made no attempt to restrain the tears he gently seated the trembling lady in the chair from which she had risen then went briskly about his room making final preparations for departure talking cheerily the while it will be a very short ride out to the farm mrs edmonds for salim and me and by the time you have had one nap we shall be back here with good news from the truants young people cannot always be depended upon for excellent judgment and your daughter remember may have had difficulty in making so large a party see with her eyes i beg your pardon said mrs edmonds rising again and resolutely pushing back the tears i must seem very weak to you but indeed i am not in the habit of being without my daughter i ought not to allow you to put aside your plans for the sake of relieving my anxiety my daughter would be shocked at such a thought i presume it may be as you think and yet she did not finish her sentence aloud in her heart she said that marjorie would have no difficulty in controlling the movement of ralph bramlett that he was only too willing to do as she wished and that he controlled the horses but of course this could not be said aloud mr maxwell finished the sentence for her and yet certainty is better than surmise he said brightly i know it we will very soon relieve your mind do not be troubled about disarranging my plans mrs edmonds i assure you it is of no consequence i have no business which cannot as well be done another day if that were necessary now i am ready and you will i am sure remember your part of the contract and try to rest may i help to rest you by a reminder that your daughter is in the care of one who cannot be overcome by accidents of any sort oh i know it she said gratefully you will think me very foolish but there have been times to-night when i believe i should have lost my reason if i could not have stayed my fears with that i am so unused to being without my child we have been all in all to each other for thirteen years and yet what is my trust worth there came a time when as you see i could wait no longer yes he said smiling that is the way we trust him yet he bears with us i read with great satisfaction only yesterday the story of gideon do you remember how many times the lord strengthened his wavering faith by a sign we all like props of this kind i think i can bring you word in an hour at the latest mrs edmonds she stood in the hall noting the sound of his retreating footsteps she listened to their brisk ring until they were lost in the distance she was alone again but her throat felt less dry the tears had relieved it her heart did not seem to beat in such oppressive thuds yes undoubtedly she liked human props how kind he had been and how quick the swiftness of his movements had had a soothing effect upon her at least this sickening suspense with its opportunity to conjecture all sorts of horrible possibilities would soon be over he would bring her word and he was good too how strong that reminder was about the one who had her daughter in charge oh the mother trusted him what would her years of widowhood have been without his mighty arm to lean upon if only he were her daughter's trust well and if no she would not finish that as thought 
loyalty to her daughter should make her put it away what was mr maxwell but a stranger come for a few weeks to pay a good price for their vacant room and ralph bramlett had grown up with marjorie and had always been her friend why should she for a moment allow herself to wish that he were like mr maxwell she sat down in her reading chair and drew the shaded lamp towards her she had not promised to try to sleep she knew better than to try she did not remember the story of gideon very well she wanted to read it she had some difficulty in finding the story and in picking it out from various chapters she stopped many times during its reading to listen to imaginary sounds on the street she decided that if she could have had gideon's signs she surely could have trusted meantime mr maxwell and selim were on their way to the schuyler farm End of chapter one